The Sports Career Podcast, episode 197. How can education improve the event sector in the sports industry? Hello Sports Achiever, it's Ed Bowers here, your host on this podcast show. It's great to have you here and thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the event sector of the sports industry. I really do hope that this week's episode can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Lee Neote. Neo is the co-founder of Night, where she has over 10 years of experience in the multi-sport event sector of the sports industry, where she's been involved in Olympic Games, Youth Olympic Games, and many more events, where she really specializes in sport entries and event operations. For that reason, it's great to have Neo as a special guest on the show, and that's when today's episode, Neo will share her sports career journey and explain to you why education is so important with regards to the event sector in the sports industry. Neo, it's such a great pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please could you share to the listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Hey, Ed, thanks for having me on. My journey started actually when I was a young kid in my sports journey. I mean, sports career-wise, I, I was an athlete before uh, in Malaysia and I played a lot of different kind of sports and I think... That's how actually I got passionate about sports. I got really, uh, really motivated and active doing sports. But then um, after a while, uh, when you do competitive sports, somehow you get injured. So I got injured and and that actually kind of pivoted my life more towards uh, a sports career in terms of management and administration. I've always wanted to go for the Olympics. But uh, because of the injury, of course, uh, I, I couldn't. I, I didn't actually make it to, to, to the international scene. But I managed to find a way to still be involved in the Olympics and in the international scene by having a career in, in sports, in administration, uh, in the events industry, basically. So that's where it all started for me. But... In terms of my career path to how it led me to where I am today, who, which is uh, the co-founder of Ignites. And I finished my degree uh, in sports administration. Actually, it's a master's degree from the Academy of International Sports Science and Technology in Lausanne in the Olympic capital, nevertheless. So part of the dream came true <laughs> to be part of the, in the Olympic capital itself. Um, and then I, I knew at that point, that was 2009, I knew at that point that the Singapore Youth Olympic Games was happening in 2010. And coming from Malaysia, um, being just a neighbor to Singapore, 
my ultimate internship, let's put it that way, because you have to do an internship, would be to work in Singapore 2010. And I applied um, for an internship, but unfortunately, uh, I was declined because I was not I was not Singaporean. So at first they said, yes, please come and join us. And then three months later, they said like, oh, I'm sorry, you are Malaysian. Sorry, we, we cannot give you the internship. So um, nevertheless, I finished my degree. I came back. I then went on to their web page and saw many openings. And I applied. I applied for two. And I wrote in. I said like, hey, look. I applied for some of the jobs. Can you please let me know if I get it or if I don't get it? Because anyway, you screwed up my internship position by assuming that I was a Singaporean in the first place. And they said, no, no, I mean, we don't do that. If you don't get it, then uh, you won't get a call from us. But if you get it, we'll call you. And so on that point, I said like, hey, look, on your website, you said you're looking for somebody who's passionate. You're looking for somebody who wants to contribute to the sports industry. Give me a chance, you know, that's me. So I, I didn't lose faith. I, I didn't lose hope and I persevered. Uh, and that's how actually I I started. And, and Singapore 2010 was the first step that I took into my amazing career that I've had for the past 10 years. Wow. Now, this is really interesting. I've got to go quickly back in time. And we're going to talk about Ignite a bit later on on the show, but you've got me excited because there's some great learning lessons. Really quickly, going back to when you were an athlete and you had that injury, this is going to relate to a lot of the listeners who need to find their next step afterwards. Can you remember that decision when you went, right, being an elite athlete isn't going to happen? Can you remember that sort of process when you realize you want to be involved in the sports industry, but not on the sports field itself? Yes, actually, I was very fortunate uh, that my parents were very supportive of me being in sports. So I got an injury in badminton. And well, in Malaysia, badminton is the main sport. But then as I was recovering, I managed to actually go into a less physical movement sport. Uh, and I went into 10-pin bowling. I know 10-pin bowling is not a big sport in many other um, countries, but in Malaysia, it's one of our high-performance sports. So my injury didn't really, um, didn't really stop me from going more serious into the sport, and I managed to represent... Uh, represent my state and went up to be a, a, a youth state bowler but youth the word youth is only up to a certain age so when I was 21 I realized okay my career in the youth category is over and going into the adults category would be uh, more difficult for me so because of that, I actually saw the opportunity uh, to come back to the arena where I started my journey as a, as a bowler, as an athlete. And, and I went up to, to the organizers, actually, and I said, hey, look, um, this is my last year bowling. I love the concept of uh, the junior circuit. They call it the junior circuit. And I still want to contribute, but I know I cannot play anymore because I'm going to be too old. But I know I have other skills that I can bring to the table. I, 
I'm good at computers. I'm good in Excel. Uh, I'm, I'm good in organizing because I was also very active in university uh, with being a president in, in, in the 10 pin bowling club in my university and all. So I, I know I can, I can bring that extra thing that you're looking for. And I'm young, so train me. Because of the injury, because of that change into a new sport, and because I, I didn't step away from saying, okay, since I have finished my career in sport, I, I think I'm going to go somewhere else. No, I, I pursued in the, and as per your podcast recently that I listened to, stick to the lane and I stuck to my lane. Absolutely. And, and really quickly, just reflecting now, how glad are you when you sort of put yourself out there leveraging your other skill sets? Because I want students to understand that the whole point about pursuing a career is also, uh, uh, you know, showcasing other skills, which you've just mentioned. Looking back, how glad are you when you stuck to your guns uh, with regards to that decision of helping that the bowling circuit really quickly? I think it was the best decision that I made at that time. Um, I was still studying also, actually, because uh, while I was studying, I organized the bowling circuit, meaning nearly every every other weekend, I was going to a different state in Malaysia to organize for 300 to 500 kids under the age of uh, 21 to participate in bowling and, and to organize it in, in, in a very friendly manner, but still professional, you know. So I feel that I learned so much from that small part that I played in this junior circuit because it really helped me sharpen my skills because I was practically the only one Plus my my partner at that time, which is um, uh, which is a fifty year old. It was a fifty year old man, and you know he has a lot of experience, but he didn't have the technological skills that I had. So because of that, I was given the opportunity to flourish and put all my creativity to actually make that bowling circuit more enticing to the to the parents to the bowlers and because of that i actually learned so much i did that for seven years and because of that i learned how to really manage a an an event because i did accommodation i did transportation i talked to the host state to organize um, food, you know. So all of those later on, I realized when I was in the international scene, hey, I did it actually in a smaller set, but then I can so totally relate because I was one person doing so much. Thank you so much for sharing because it's this, everybody, which I'm learning myself where you can look back from past experiences and use it as leverage moving forward to new opportunities. Now, one thing I'd love to talk about now was that internship opportunity in Singapore. The one topic I want to phrase it relating to is with regards to um, rejection. Like the one thing that when people start a career, we don't like being rejected. But how important is it to stay persistent? I know you said you kept that faith. But looking back, how has rejection in a way made you more motivated to get the opportunity you're looking for? Let's say that internship opportunity. Yes, that internship 
rejection was a slap in the face because it was really disappointing as I had mentioned from the very beginning, I'm a Malaysian. And so because of that, it stopped me from looking for other internships in the next two months. So, so because of that rejection, um, I still wanted to do something back home because I was in Europe and I wanted to come back to Asia and do something. So I said, okay, I'm just going to come home. I'm going to finish my master's thesis at home. Then I'm going to go online because I know Singapore 2010 was looking for something. And instead of looking for an internship, I'm going to look for a job. And the first three months of that job, I'm going to turn it into an internship. And because of my persistence of being that stubborn person writing to HR, calling them, they actually gave me two interviews, one in the area which I am an expert right now and the other in another area which is culture and education. So because of my persistence and saying like, hey, give me a chance and look, I'm just across the border. I'm not as, as far as Europe. I'm just Malaysian and we are practically siblings. So give me a chance to do that. So at the end, I got a job. So it turned out better than I expected. This is awesome. And really quickly, what did you learn from those two in, um, interview experiences, reflecting now? The first interview I had was with my mentor. I still consider her a mentor to me because she's the one who has brought me to places. And maybe later I can talk a little bit about having a mentor and having somebody to look up to. And I also heard your podcast which says we shouldn't compare ourselves to others and I do believe in that. Looking back into that interview, it was very educational because I didn't really do many interviews before. However, I have to admit that I had a job interview way before and if you don't mind me going back a, a few years after I finished my degree I I actually got a job in in ExxonMobil um, I don't know whether you know ExxonMobil it's uh, the biggest ex, uh, one of the biggest petroleum companies in the world as actually I um, I studied not in sports because I did masters in sport but I studied uh, computer science majoring in multimedia design. And I decided to study that because I said, hey, um, I've been doing sport all my life. At that point of time, I questioned myself whether or not I should even study sport because I also love technology. And I got the opportunity actually to study sport, but I decided actually to study IT because I said, even though I start, I'm studying IT, I'm still able to do sport on the side. So let's try that. And doing that degree later on made me realize when I finished my degree that I really wanted to pursue my career in sport. But on that note, as I said to you, I, I had an interview with ExxonMobil. I got a job and I actually quit after one day. 
and my dad was furious he he was like why are you quitting you are only there for one day and now you want to give up and for me at that point of time i think i was 27 or 26 i knew the first day that i went to this corporation in this four wall building that didn't have many windows um that it was not something that i wanted to do and from the beginning i stepped into that i went through one day of uh, how do you call it, orientation and i realized no 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 <laughs> i cannot do this so coming back to the interview that i had with singapore 2010 the first interview i had with my mentor i already knew that i was i wanted to go on with her because when i went into that interview me i was uh i cannot say that i was super confident i was nervous and nervous is good because it means that you care and i went in and and this is what my mentor tells me and she's a good friend right now she's a friend to me and and she told me she said neo i i still remember the first day you came in you were all dressed up and you were so formal and she came from europe she's from greece and she actually took this in this interview very personal uh, she showed the human side because in asia in general in asia interviews are very formal because it's very corporate you have to be there you have to take care of how you sit how you say what you say and stuff like that but she coming from from europe she showed me that personal side she even shed a few tears uh telling me her story of how she got to where she was at that time and so it it opened up opened me up to speak more freely about what i wanted and then the second interview i had uh i had it with uh some singaporeans also on the topic of of uh, culture and education but the questions were very rigid like okay if you are in this situation how are you going to uh how are you going to react It, and on the other side when i was having my interview with melina she was telling me her life story she's asking me to she's asking me to relate to my story so i i felt that connection from the very beginning I find this really, really interesting chat, and I hope the listeners are enjoying it as much as I have. And you see my big smile because there's a situation I had when I started before doing this podcast show. I had an interview in Leeds in recruitment, Neo, and it lasted five minutes because I just knew it wasn't for me. So there's already some connections here of trying to find what you want to do is so important. And just with regards to Melina, your mentor, may you may I ask what benefits. you have seen having a mentor with regards to your career journey that's a fantastic question because why i'm sitting here talking to you today started with her helping me and recommending me to my second job in innsbruck so my first job was in singapore i worked under her i learned from her and i believe i made an impression on her and i think this is something which is very important for for students is that you have to make a good impression and you need to work hard so that the people notice you so i do believe i made that impression and very funnily enough having that job in innsbruck was also how do you say i think a fate 
and many people don't believe in fate. But after that thing happened, and my mom kept telling to me, oh, it's fate, it's fate. Um, I do believe fate plays a big part and every decision that we make in life is a learning, whether it's whether it's sad, whether it's happy, whether it's something disappointing, it, it is a learning itself. So I got called for an interview for Innsbruck 2012 Sport Entries Manager at that time because I couldn't get on the plane to India that I had to go for a friend's wedding. So um, very funnily enough, as well, both of us come from Commonwealth countries, right? So India is a Commonwealth country and I needed to go to India for my friend's wedding. But when I went to the airport, they said, hey, look, you cannot board. I said, why? Like, where's your visa? No, no, we are from Commonwealth country. We don't need visa to go to each other's country. No, you do. And I was like, really? So he, so they told me on Friday, and that time it was Friday, I said, okay, how long does it take? And he's like, three working days. My friend's wedding was on Monday. So it was, it was impossible for me to be there for my friend's wedding on Monday. But I saw, so I called my parents. I said, oh, come and get me home. I cannot go anywhere. That very night that I came back, I got an urgent call from my mentor, Melina. And she said, Neil, send me your CV now. It's like, okay, okay, I will. So I sent her my CV. And actually, on Saturday, I got a call from Innsbruck 2012 interviewing me. It's not really an interview. Actually, it was more like a chat to see whether I was willing to come. And there I was, you know. And so actually, really, fate. just imagine if I had gone to India, I wouldn't have gotten that call. I wouldn't have been able to actually connect to, to Innsbruck because I would have been in Delhi or uh, Mumbai. I cannot remember where. But so, so fate really played a big part in that. Yeah, and I can definitely hear it through your voice of sometimes the uncontrollables help us. You know what I mean? Like with the guy at the airport who said it takes three working days. At the time, it was probably very frustrating. But looking back, it was a blessing in disguise. Just with regards to today's podcast chat, I have really have enjoyed this conversation so much. But getting back to what you're currently doing, today's podcast chat is all about why do you think there needs to be more education with regards to the event sector and the sports industry? I'd love to hear your point of view on this with regards to your experience. So, yes, um, regarding that question, I had a chat about it with my co-founder of Ignites. And, well, the both of us have been in the industry for... 10 years and we have constantly debated on how education can improve the event sector so this is an answer which i discussed with her and and i hope that uh, i hope it's it suffices your podcast ed <laughs> but for me education is is very important to improve the sport industry because number one after every event there is always a post-games meeting or post-games report, right? So if I take in the case of my experience working in the multi-sport event in the Youth Olympic Games or in the Olympic Games, every functional area in that particular organizing committee has to write that post-games report. Good. Then that post-games report goes to the International Olympic Committee and then it's transferred on to the next organizing committee. Very good. That's a very good way of transferring knowledge. However, 
one thing is missing is that there is a lack of somebody to guide the new organizing committee to what actually the previous organizing committee had experienced. One thing is to write it in a report. The other thing is to actually have practical experiences to implement what was, uh, not to implement, but how to improve what was wrong before and to also learn from what actually can be improved or be advanced to, to a better level. So in this case, education for me is that the organizers should leverage on the experiences of other or of the previous organizing committee's experience, bring them to educate and to teach and to guide and to provide the tools to the new organizing committee and not only asking them to say, hey, look, this is a report read. It's nothing like that. That's theory. Everybody can read. You know, so education in that sense for me is that organizing committees or or even actually the umbrella organizations like the International Olympic Committee or or the Commonwealth Games Federation, you know, they have to get people who are already experienced, who have done it practically to be able to educate this new organizing committee so that they can in turn train other organizing committees. And so then there is a chain of legacy going on. And also a process as well. Um, really quickly, is that what really inspired you to set up Ignite as a co-founder? Because um, I'm really intrigued of what you're doing now. Ignite was founded with the basis of having education as as a strong pillar because we believe that education needs to be more accessible knowledge needs to be more accessible to the general public especially to to young sports professionals or young leaders who want to come into the sports into the sports scene right now and in ignites what we are trying to do is actually to reduce the cost of consultancy and to make sure that everybody and every organizing company, every event is able to afford good knowledge, good teachers and good consultants so that they can run good events. And I think that is always the problem. I mean, when we go from one event to another event and I've gone actually from, from, eight or nine different countries to different events and we always see the same question the same problem crop up over and over and over again why is this i i think it's a lot to do of the accessibility to knowledge and that's why ignites we are we really hope that in the future all events, all organizers are able to access and have cost-effective, actually affordable, affordable consultancy services, affordable delivery services with the aim of actually sharing knowledge and improving the knowledge that is already there in this ever-growing technology era that we are in. Just one quick thing, because I'm really intrigued on this question I'm going to ask, because the one thing I've learned throughout this podcast chat already is 
your experience from a global standpoint. Like this is my first ever interview speaking to somebody in Malaysia, but you've been, you know, you've been in Greece, you've worked in Europe. And with regards to the event industry, um, do you think, is there a culture barrier is the wrong phrase, but with regards to education, what I've learned from my podcast journey that sport and culture has a massive impact with different events. Is that something to be mindful of when working in different countries, but also educating as well with regards to running an event? I hope that makes sense. Uh, just from what I've heard from you and your experience. That's very, very heavily. I've not been in Greece. My mentor Melina is from Greece, but uh, I've been to Greece on a holiday. But um, I've been to several different events in different countries, uh, very different culturally speaking as well, like Russia, uh, Argentina, Norway. And you can see that these countries don't actually have same culture or same history and same background. And it was very important for me to adapt. And for those of you who are listening out there, and if you want to become a games gypsy, (laughs) that's the the phrase that actually we use for ourselves. If you want to become a games gypsy, one thing is to adapt to the local culture. Um, It's one thing to go on a holiday, but it's another thing to work there because you, you learn so many things. Uh, you get to experience so many things and you you really get to immerse yourself uh, in the people there, in their culture, in their language, uh, in their food. And it was it was very interesting for me because when I went to Russia, Russia is a totally different country than Malaysia. It made me realize and I, and I learned every time I go to a new country, I learn something new. And that's very important because one thing you have to bear in mind is that when you go to another country and you work in another country, it's really hard for you to bring your own style there. You need to find that balance to suit them and suit you at the same time so that that they all can that you all can work together. That's the main thing because the result is the most important. But also, of course, the way that you reach that, you have to do it with integrity and you have to do it properly and you have to do it with humility. Yeah, no, these are really important points. Sorry to interrupt because the one thing I want to add to that, and just from my experience working in Greece and going to Singapore doing my first online uh, first workshop is comes down to having good communication skills. And that's what I wanted to touch on. How have your communication skills developed throughout the 10 years of you being in the the sports industry? In these 10 years, my communication skills, my patience have also improved a lot. Um, And when you travel so much, you realize that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover because it's... You have to you have to understand where this person comes from, where they were born or how they grew up, uh, what is their history. Uh, and then you can make a judgment. But if you judge from the very first point that you talk to them or when you look at them, then that's something that doesn't help you because 
it will cloud uh, your uh, it, it will cloud how you look at this person moving forward and it's not it's not healthy and especially if you are a, a leader or a, in a manager position and, and in Buenos Aires in the Buenos Aires 2018 Youth Olympic Games I had I held a huge position where I had a team of 33 people from I think 10 different countries and it was a matter of relating to each and every one of them. So I managed to improve my skills of being a leader, to improve my skills of actually communicating. Communicating not in terms of language, because I suck in languages. I speak English, I speak Malay, but I can get by ordering food everywhere in the world. So, but communicating in terms of body language in terms of kindness, in terms of uh, helpfulness and solidarity that every human being can relate to. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, no, I do. And this is so, so important. I hope the listeners are enjoying this because this is the behind the scenes I call of what it really takes to not just communicate with people in the sports industry, but this is how you build friendships which lead to a network as well. But just going back to Ignite, the one thing I do want to talk about, what inspired you to start your YouTube channel? And could you just share to listeners what's it about and how it can help them from an educational standpoint? Because it's brilliant what you're doing on YouTube. So uh, please share because I'd love to hear more. I thank you, Ed, for that kind words. Well, our YouTube channel is connected to our website, which is ignites.events, and it's... Ignites is uh, I-G-N-I-T-X and not I-G-N-I-T-E-S. <laughs> so our YouTube channel right now features several different series that we have done during this COVID season. We have a series called Ignites Showcases. And Ignites Showcases is something very humanistic and very personal because we feel that Sometimes when you go to the Olympics or games, the athletes are the, the center. They are the spotlight. But a lot of people don't realize that the people who actually carry that spotlight or help to plan that spotlight are very, very important. And that's why you need, you need good principal people behind. So the showcases series is a series that we talk about young professionals like Ed or myself, or maybe you in the future, um, and how they got there, their pathway. And so far, we have had incredible stories from eight different people who are within the Ignites network. Uh, some of them come from not even a sports background. You know, they, they come from a, from a hotel background. Some of them, they come from an engineering background. They just, you know, uh, decided one day that uh, I'm going to change and it just dropped everything and flew right across the world to do a sports management course. Right. Uh, but one thing that we realized on this showcase series, and this is also something that I heard from your podcast, I've been listening at, um, when, you, when you interviewed Shannon, 
Gulf from Rostafai is volunteering. And many of these people that we have showcases, uh, they all started with volunteering somewhere and it led to where they are somehow. And then we also have, we just launched a new series called the Ignites Knowledge What Is series to give a snapshot of what happens behind the scenes. So the showcaser series is to showcase the people behind the scenes. And the What Is series is actually to showcase what happens behind the scenes, what actually it takes to plan, what takes and, and who are the stakeholders, what is the timeline. Uh, because many people don't know, you when you're on the TV and, and you see the Wimbledon, you see something which is already in place. And I, as I said, to get to that, how, how uh, does it happen? You know, uh, what are the different procedures that you need to take who are who are the people the government authorities that you need to talk to so that is the series uh, what is all about and it's gonna run for a few months until september or october so i i hope that the listeners can tune in because uh we're gonna have uh, one every week awesome well look there is going to be a link with regards to the show notes of this podcast show it's brilliant the reason why it's brilliant is you're seeing the people behind the scenes. I call the unsung heroes who make the event happen. I think this is really important if you want to work in the event sector. There is a behind-the-scenes team, process, and if you want to work in this sector, you've got to give it a listen. Now, I've really enjoyed this conversation so much, but out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey? Looking back, when you had that injury as a badminton player, what have you enjoyed the most? Well, I think... The most enjoyable part of this whole journey has been the friendships, like you mentioned before, the friendships that I've made, the network that I've built, um, and also the the quality of work that I have put into everything that in every project that I've done. And I think this is very important because when you go for a project, if you don't give it your 100%, then I think you shouldn't be there because in the events industry, it's kind of a temporary job. It's not a full-time job because it has a you know expiry date. When the event is over, then it's over. So you must give not only your 100%, but you actually should give your 150%. And if you are flying all over the world to a new country to work just for that event, it just makes sense. So for me, the thing that I have enjoyed the most from the career that I've built is is that connections that I have had um, with my friends, uh, which actually are my family when I go abroad. Absolutely. And that's, that's how it feels for me now. Like four years on doing this podcast show, there's people I haven't seen in person, but online, I know so much about them with regards to, you know, the conversations you build, even simply on Twitter, everybody. Like, it's amazing the connections you can make on Twitter and how it can be, you know, fulfilling when you can help each other out. Neo, out of interest, I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What three tips would you give to university students or graduates who really want to pursue a career in the event sector of the sports industry? I've been in your shoes, guys. (laughs) So I think... Three tips that I can give to you today is number one, you should persist because 
you are just entering the the sports industry so you you have to persist make sure that you don't get too disappointed when you are rejected but you continue to persevere and to make sure that you continue to reach that dream so that's number one number two is that when you are persisting and when you are persevering and when you are trying to network so number two is to network make sure that you don't oversell yourself because if you oversell yourself you come across as not authentic and people right now need authenticity we if I'm to hire somebody, I, I want to hire somebody who really wants the job, who I feel that I can feel his passion radiating from that interview, you know, to, to love to love what you do. And that's very important. So number two is to network, but not and to be authentic about yourself. And number three, I think it's important to always remember where you come from and to always stay humble later on even if you get your first job you must continue to say to yourself that um, I can still do better I can still do better and and make sure that you don't step on people's toes so those are the three tips <laughs> that's fantastic I really do hope the listeners take that on board and I have as well I always love to learn something new and I certainly have during this podcast chat how can people interact with you online yeah so please don't hesitate to contact me on linkedin uh, i think ed will share uh, my name on linkedin which is Linio tay or you can also follow me on twitter and instagram and facebook and well if you and if you go, sorry if you go on to our ignites.events website my e- email is also there so please do not hesitate i would love to hear from all of you that is great to all the listeners listening in all those links will be on my website relating to this podcast episode Neil, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today thank you very much thank you ed wow what a fascinating podcast chat with neo and i really do hope you enjoyed it as much as i did for me there is so much learning golden nuggets within this podcast chat, particularly with the different stories Neo shared with regards to her experience. And the biggest lesson for me from Neo, what I've learned the most is the power of persistence, how she kept on persisting with regards to her career development. For example, the temping bowling, how she was an athlete and then she realized that there was a certain age group where she couldn't perform, so she pivoted and she wanted to be part of the event to really build her experience and understand the event side of running a sporting event. The other story I really enjoyed listening to was The Power of Fate, where she explained that story where she was about to get on a plane to India to a friend's wedding, and then that same weekend she got that phone call from her mentor with a job opportunity. And for me, I connected with this because sometimes when I put in the hard work and you're focused in what you're doing and you don't realize what opportunities are out there, sometimes they just come out of the blue. They come out of nowhere, meaning people see what you do and then they'll reach out to you because they think you're the right fit. 
But that comes down to being consistent, how you show up. And also, as Neo said with one of our career tips, is building that network. So look, I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Really apply those tips into practice, what Neo was saying right at the end. Make it happen and just do it. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Neo said, every decision we make in life is a learning experience. Whether it's good or bad with the decision we make, it's learning within itself. The key is having the ability to believe in your decisions. (laughs) 